All right, we're going to keep going through our series that we started the other week on who God is. So the God is series is what we're looking at, and we're going to look at three more uh, just characteristics of God's t- God tonight that we call attributes, all right? And uh, as we do that, you guys can open up if you, you get your Bibles tonight or you want to look up on the screens. The first verse we're going to look at is Psalm 33, 6. So as you're looking that up, I'll just share this with you real quick. Um, some of you guys know that I used to work in an orphanage in Guatemala when I was younger, And when I worked there, we had this, like, there were little groups of kids that would stay in different houses all over this big mountain. And if you've been to Guatemala, you know what I'm talking about, and the orphanage is on top of a mountain. And so there's these little houses, and the kids kind of live in little homes with their nannies and their caretakers. And so there was this one group of kids, they were kind of troublemakers, and they were always losing their shoes, (laughs) like, like more than Logan Green loses his shoes, right? Like they were always gone and we're like, what do you do with your shoes? So the thought was like, maybe they're just tossing them off the mountain or something. Like maybe they don't want to wear shoes, but we could never find these shoes and it was becoming a problem. And uh, this mission group had come in and they built this big, beautiful like cafeteria right on the very center of the top of the mountain. And it had these like really high like roofs. It was a really cool building just to walk through because it just felt so tall and like big. And so all the kids would come from their different houses and eat there in this really nice cafeteria area. So we're walking out, we're going to like dinner one night, and we've got our group of kids, and as we're walking in, we're like, where could these shoes possibly be going? It was driving us crazy. And right as we said that, I was just like always just impressed of how high this, this building was. And so I'm like looking up at the rafters. And when I look up there, of course, I see this line of just shoes hanging from like the rafters all the way across. They had tied the laces together like people do in cities. You ever seen they like throw it on the high tension wires or something like that, and they're just hanging there. So there's just like this row of like little teeny shoes about that big, just like hanging across the banners. I was like, I'm not going up there. So I made this little orphan climb all the way up to the top. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that, but that would have been cool. I should have done that. Um, but yeah, there they were. And I had to actually like look up. It was a place I never expected to find these shoes because they're just little dudes. How in the world did they ever get the shoes way up there? I never looked up. It wasn't a place I thought I would find the answer to what I was looking for. And so as we study this, these attributes of God, there are lots of questions we probably have about who God is about what Christianity is and religion and faith. And like, there are probably tons of questions that are swirling around in our minds and in our lives. And we're like, how do I find these answers? And the only way to really find the answer is by looking in a place we might not expect, right? And we're looking up tonight in a way at who God is. We're gonna find out if God is this way, if this is his attribute, that answers a lot of these other questions that might even seem unrelated. Like, I didn't think that answering a question about who God is would tell me how I believe over here in this area of my faith, but they are connected. So tonight, we're going to be looking in these, this new place, right? We're looking up and finding out who God is and letting that inform what we believe about the Bible, right? That's going to be our filter to say, man, as I read scripture, because I know who God is, I can better interpret what I'm reading. Have you ever felt like you're reading the Bible, you're like digging in, doing your Bible time, and you're like, man... This is hard because I don't understand a word of this stuff. Like, I don't get it. It's frustrating, especially certain books. You hit Leviticus and you're just like, what in the world is happening here, right? And you're trying to figure it out. But knowing who God is helps you understand that. It gives you this lens of like why things are happening. Well, it's because God is really good, you know, or because God is all powerful. And so that's what we're doing tonight. We're looking at three more. If you guys will look with me. Uh, The first one I want you guys to see is that God is, I'm going to tell you the big word omnipotent. 
It's just a cool word to sing, right? To sing, <laughs> to say. Why did I say sing? There's a song with omnipotent in it. Any of you chorus people know what I'm talking about? What? You sing it at Christmas time all the time. I'm not even going to tell you. If you can figure it out and tell me after, then I, there might be a prize involved for you. Um, here's what omnipotent means, though. He's all-powerful. Omni means all, and potent means strong. So he's all-powerful. And that might be like, yeah, sure, obviously God's all-powerful. He's God. We would expect no less. But there's some really cool implications of the fact that he is all-powerful. It changes some things. And so here's that verse, Psalm 33, 6. Hopefully you got to it. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Imagine being able to just speak and everything happens. To be able to just say the word and all of the entire universe comes into existence. And we look, last week we showed that little video, right, of how big things actually get out there. And we don't even know like the beginning of how big the universe actually is. It's just mind-boggling. And God was just like, hey, exist. It's all in existence. Man, it takes me an hour to tie my shoes. Like, And God is just speaking things, like everything, into existence. It's insane. And you know what? He does it effortlessly. It wasn't difficult for him. He, he like didn't sweat one drop of sweat. He didn't have to like sit there and like really try. Like He just did it. He just spoke it, and it was effortlessly that he speaks everything into existence. Job 11, 7 to 11, 7, 11, says this. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? The answer is no, right? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They're higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They're deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. If he comes along and confines you in prison and convenes a court, who can oppose him? Surely he recognizes deceivers, and when he sees evil, does he not take note? He goes from like this really kind of vague talk about God's strength, and then he gets really, really specific at the end. He's like, God is so powerful. He's so huge, you can't even like imagine where he starts and stops. You can't compare, you can't figure him out. God is just mind-boggling. And then he says, because of that, guess what? If you were on trial for your sins, whoa, you just got super personal here. Like, what's going on? God knows all of it. Who can stop God from bringing justice on our sins? Who can deceive God Who could stand up to God and bring evil before him and actually succeed? That's like, you're standing against an omnipotent, an all-powerful being, and you think you can stand before him as his enemy and survive? And we've talked about this before because when we're not in a relationship with God where we have been forgiven and where we follow him as our savior, We are essentially his enemy. We're exactly what this verse is talking about here in Job. Who wants to stand up against an enemy who's all-powerful? You stand no chances against him. 
whew, a God that can look at the universe and just go, hey, I want you to exist. And he does it effortlessly. But listen, there are some things, even though he's all powerful, that he can't do. And it's not because he doesn't have the ability to do it. It's that he never would do it. And so listen, listen to this verse. Um, Hebrews 6.18, it puts it like this. It says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Two things. He can't change, it says. We saw that. He's immutable, right? And he can't lie. God does nothing against his own will against his own nature. So there are things that God just will not do. He's incapable of, even though he's all powerful and has the ability to do it, he chooses not to do it. This guy named Ron Moore, he writes this about it. He says, God's attribute of omnipotence means that God's able to do all that he desires to do. When he plans something, it will come to be. If he proposes something, it will happen. Nothing can prevent his plan. When his hand is stretched out to do something, no one can turn it back. Omnipotence comes from two Latin words. Omni means all, and potens means powerful. God's decisions are always in line with his character. He has all the power to do whatever he decides to do. Listen, Scripture is clear that God is not only strong and mighty, but God is good and holy. With unlimited power, imagine the evil that could be done. There are lots of religions who have these gods they've made up, and their idea of these gods is so evil. Gods that look down at their quote-unquote people and treat them horribly. Imagine an all-powerful being that could do everything and was not constrained by any sort of moral ethic. It was just evil who lived to torture you who lived to make the world suffer, who did unspeakable things and had all the power to do it and make it absolutely terrible. God could have done that because he's all powerful, but God also is good. And so that restrains him and says, I won't do anything against who I am and who I am is good. That's good news for me and you because it could be really scary to hear that there's an all powerful being out there. I can do nothing to stop him if he wants to hurt me. But see, I don't have to with God. I don't even have to worry about it with God because he's constrained by his own moral character. Paul actually says this about God. He says he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Imagine the greatest, most incredible thing you can, right? You're not even close to how much God could do. He is absolutely unbelievable. And we're going to spend all of eternity figuring out just how big he is and how strong and powerful he is. John MacArthur says, although such power might seem frightful, remember that God is good. He could do anything according to his infinite ability, but will do only those things that are consistent with himself. That's why he can't lie. That's why he can't tolerate sin. And that's why he can't save impenitent sinners, which means people who aren't repentant of their sin. 
Like, why doesn't God just save everybody? He's all powerful, right? Because his character also says that he's just. And so even though he has the power to do it, he's constrained by his own character to say, no, I'm good. And so I won't force this person to be saved when they're, when they're not repentant. The next thing I want you to see about God tonight, not only is he all-powerful, he's omniscient. And what omniscient means is that he's all-knowing. God knows everything. Any of you guys ever play chess? Any chess players in the room? I know there's a few. Okay, there's a bunch of you. So my brother, Daryl, my oldest brother, and his other brother, Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl. <laughs> Sorry, you guys probably don't even know that because you're too young. But he was a chess player, a really good chess player. And so he actually got paid to travel around the world playing chess, in all these tournaments. He'd come home with all these big, like, trophies and, like, win lots of money playing chess. And so when I was younger, I would just kind of grow up watching him play chess. And he was, like, just, he was awesome at it. And he would try to, like, explain the game to me and stuff. And it's amazing that these high-level chess players will literally memorize entire sequences of games. Like, the game could go this way, and they know exactly how the game would go. But if on my second move, I, I move this piece, it could go this way, all the way to the very end of the game. Like, they have these, like, steps and sequences just, like, figured out. They could tell you all these different ways the game could go completely from beginning to end that they've memorized, right? And they use these different strategies of moves that they've memorized. And it's insane that someone can memorize all that stuff, but that's what makes them really good. When they get to those high levels, you make a move, and they're already looking like 50 steps ahead of you. Like, this is where it will end up if he does that. I already know, right? That's insane to me. And it makes me think that God is like that, but like a bazillion, trillion, gazillion times more because God knows everything that will ever happen, everything that could ever happen and has ever happened. Like every single version of reality, God knows. It's in his mind, and it's not difficult for him to know it. He just knows it. That in itself is mind-blowing to me, right? <laughs> I have a hard time like, doing addition and subtraction, and God's just knowing every single sequence, every detail of all of existence, and he doesn't sweat trying to think about it. God's unbelievable. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10 says this. Remember the former things, those of long ago? I'm God and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. You see, God not only is all-powerful, but he's all-knowing. He knows everything and can do anything he wants. This other guy, this actually lady says, Her name is Debbie McDaniel. She says this, he can be everywhere at the same time. Everywhere at the same time. And he never sleeps or slumbers. He's aware every moment of every day, exactly what we're up against. He knows our way and is with us always. There's no place on this earth that that we could go that he doesn't see and know of. What in the world? Why so often are we putting God in these little boxes and trying to describe him in a way that feels manageable for us? 
Why do I freak out when I'm like, God, I don't know if you can handle this next thing in my life. You know, it's really tough. This is a difficult one, God. I'm just not sure what to do about it. And he's like, are you kidding me? Not only can I do anything I want about it and won't even sweat one drop of sweat over it, but I already know the outcomes. You can't stump me. You can't trick me. There's nothing too difficult. I can do anything, and I know everything, and I am everywhere. And yet, I stress out when I have a problem come my way. Because I forget that this God not only can do all that, he loves me. He'd use his omniscience and omnipotence for my good. That's an incredible God. And I hope that as you hear who God is, that it puts more faith in your heart to go, I can trust a God like that. He's not some little puny God that I see like in in some churches hanging on a cross and he's like all weak looking. Like God is so big, my mind can't even comprehend. That's a God who's worthy of worship. Like that makes me want to fall on my knees and just go, God, I'm so unworthy to even be in your presence. You are so incredible. How are you able to do all this? He's such a big God. Tozer, this guy I told you about last week that I really like to read about, he says this. He says, God perfectly knows himself, and being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this he knows instantly, with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in the centuries or ages yet unborn. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Like, God is so incredible. Listen, if you think God's small, you are so off base. God is massive. If you think you were hiding from God tonight some things, Deep down inside your heart, like, God won't know, he won't care. He does. There's nothing that escapes his mind. He knows it all. He sees it all. He's there to experience it all, present. God is so intimate with us, and we act like he's some distant, like, fake fairy tale somewhere up in space. He's more intimately connected to you than you could ever know. And he wants a relationship with you. That's the cool thing. Like, why, God, being so incredible, would you care about me? How could you not just be bored of me? You know, like, I don't even compare to you. So this all-knowing God loves us. And this last thing I want to show you tonight is this. God is omnipresent. He's always everywhere. And Psalm 139 tells us this, verses 7 to 10. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. There's no escaping him. There's nowhere you could go that God's not going to already be there before you ever got there. He is everywhere. The universe is full of his presence. There's not one point in space where you won't find God already there. Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24 says, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God afar off? 
Can a man hide himself in secret places so I can't see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? Like literally all of heaven and all of earth is full of the presence of God. There's nowhere you can run, nowhere you could go that he's not already there. Now listen, that will either scare you because you're trying to do some things you don't want him to know about. Like this guy in the verse here in Jeremiah that says like, man, I want to go hide in a secret place so God doesn't know. Or it excites you because you're like, man, I don't have to be afraid. Because wherever I am, wherever I go, I might even feel lost. God's there. He doesn't lose track of you. He doesn't lose you ever. There should be comfort in knowing that your God can never lose you. And a God that loves you never will lose you. When we say that God is everywhere, in all places, at all times, we're not saying that in the same way that we would say about ourselves. It's not this like geographical thing because remember, God isn't physical like us. He's not flesh and blood, but his presence isn't just in this knowable universe. God is beyond that. Like it's hard enough just to picture the universe, but like that's, we have no idea what's beyond outside of that. Our God is so big, it's unthinkable. There is no end to him. So why would it stop at the limits of our universe? God is just absolutely incredible. I just wonder if the words of this guy, I'm going to read one more time, this guy named Tozer. I wonder how many of us are thinking this. He says, closer than our thoughts, the knowledge that we're never alone calms the troubled sea of our lives and speaks peace to our soul. Knowing that your God is all-powerful and omniscient And everywhere, whatever you brought to this place tonight, whatever is going on in your family or with your friends or in a relationship that you're in, whatever you're facing tonight that's got you like, man, I'm not sure about this thing. Your stomach's in knots. I want to tell you this. If you're following this God, he loves you. And all of that omniscience and omnipresence and the fact that he is so unbelievable It's on your side. God is on your side. So that problem you brought, you can hold it up before him and go, holy cow, this is small. It might not feel small from when you're looking at it like this, right? Like my problem is so massive. How am I going to get through this? But the second you put it in front of him and you're like, oh my goodness, with God in the backdrop of this thing, it's tiny and he's so huge. Your problem's coming at you, but God's standing over it, looming over it, going, it doesn't stand a chance. Your problem is God's enemy, and guess what? It doesn't stand a chance. And I hope that puts faith in your heart tonight. I hope, like Tozer said, it gives you this calm, this serenity, and the sea of your soul where you're able to just be like, you know what? I can trust him. I can trust him. Some of you guys are here, and you're like, man, I've never known that I could trust a God to actually save me or forgive my sin. I just, maybe tonight you realize just how big that God is and how much he loves you. Maybe tonight you trust him to do what only he can do in your heart. 
to forgive your sin, to change your life, to save you. Maybe you've been waiting and you're like, I just didn't know if I could trust him or not. Well, tonight's the night to say, God, I see you in the backdrop now. I hear what your word is saying about you, what these men of God have experienced personally with you, and I want that. I want my sins forgiven. I want my problems to shrink in your shadow. And he wants to do that for you. Some of us, maybe we're just here and we need to be like, hey, listen, like God, you've done a lot for me that I haven't even recognized. I've been walking around my life and just kind of doing me and distracted by so much stuff that I don't even realize the amazing things that you have in store for me or that you're doing every single day. Think about it. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's everywhere. He's got to be doing some stuff, right? What is it he's doing in your life? Have you ever stopped just to look? Maybe tonight you ask God, will you show me the things that you're actively doing right now for me? Things that I'm overlooking every day, and I'm not grateful for them because I don't know they're there. I was sitting in this little cafe in Antigua before a while back, and I ordered this muffin, delicious muffin. I was very excited about this thing. And I'm drinking a coffee, and I'm just reading my Bible, taking the day just to be with God. And as I'm sitting in this coffee shop, I see like there's a little commotion at the front door. This little orphan was coming in off the road, just like coming in beg. And the shop owner sees him, beelines over, is like, no, get out, get out. You know, like kicks him out. I go back, I'm about to take a bite of my muffin because this thing is delicious. And uh, just as I'm about to bite it, there's a tug on my shirt. And I look down and sure enough, the second that guy walked to the back, that little kid came right back around and straight to my table. You know what, because he probably saw the muffin. You know what I'm saying? Because it was a good muffin. <laughs> and he looks up at me, and he goes, pan, senor. And that just means like bread, right? Bread, sir. And what he meant was he wanted my muffin. I knew the kid wanted my muffin, right? He's after this thing. I was like, seriously, I'm one bite away from this. And uh, so I wrap it up in my napkin. Like, he's probably hungrier than me. So I give him my muffin, cry a little bit. He just, like, turns around and beelines out the door. The kid didn't look at me and, like, say thank you, nothing. He just, like, turned around and beelines out. I was like, great. That feels good. I just gave up my muffin for you, dude. You know, and he didn't even, he just took off. Get the waiter. Waiter comes back over, and you know me. I'm like, I need another muffin. So next muffin comes out, dude. I'm waiting for that muffin. It gets out here, and I hear, I'm sitting by this window, and I hear a knock on the window. And I turn and I look, and here's this little smushed up nose face, like straight up against the glass. And it's that same little kid. And so he had come back, and he's like pressing his face to the glass. And he looks at me through the window, and he goes, gracias, senor, which means thank you, sir. And then he just makes his goofy face at me and just like takes off. And I'm thinking, like he didn't have to do that, you know. Like at first I was grumpy about it, but like how awesome that he did that he actually came back. I never thought he would. I was sitting there grumpy, getting ready to bite into my next muffin. And this kid came back. And I'm thinking, like, if I felt that good about just a simple thank you, what does God feel when we stop and take the time to say thank you for the things he's doing in our lives? And the Bible says that he delights in you when you bring thanksgiving to his courts. He delights 
in you. And to me, that story is so simple and kind of stupid, but it makes me remember something that God delights in just hearing a thank you from his child. That when I'm stopping in my life and pausing and just saying, God, you're doing all sorts of stuff, and I just want to thank you tonight. I don't want to keep just walking by or grab what you give me and just take off. I want to stop and say, God, you're worthy of worship. You're worthy of me praising you and saying, a simple gracias, Señor. I don't know if you guys do that or not. Some of you might not, and that's cool. But if you're walking with Jesus tonight, can I just encourage you, take the time every day just to stop and say, Lord, thank you for who you are, that you can be all-powerful and still good, still loving, and still kind to us. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? We're about to sing some more worship. And before we do, would you just get your heart ready to do this? And God forbid we get up and we sing just another song. God forbid this just be more music. Some of you guys in the back there are just like chatting this whole time. Will you just, just hush for a minute? Okay? We're getting serious with God right now. If you don't want to do that, the door's right there. We're going to stay around and worship Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, get your heart right right now. Will you talk to Jesus and maybe just say a thank you? Jesus, thank you for all you've done. And then when you stand up in a second to worship with us, will you do it from a heart that's grateful? Let those words come out of you as a way just to say, God, you are awesome and you're worth it. And I love you.